Have you ever been excited about a big idea or felt motivated to act on a cause that really lights a fire beneath you? But then the fear of judgment, not knowing the next steps, and just overall self-doubt get in your way? Then you are in the right place. Hello friends, and welcome to Driving Well Indigenous. I'm your host, Jill Featherstone. In this podcast, we will hear from movers and shakers and change makers who are out there doing the work and have come to share their stories to help make our journeys just a little bit more easier. So buckle up and let's get started. Hello friends and welcome to the podcast. So today I'm going to share a message with you that I feel is very important and it's a message that everybody needs to hear and once you really really learn this message it's freeing and that message is what people think of you is none of your business so i'm going to repeat that again what people think of you is none of your business so the sooner that you can learn this lesson the better it is one of the toughest lessons to learn but i promise you it is one of the most empowering and once you learn it you will be happier I promise so when you allow someone to hurt you with their words or negative opinions of you you're giving them power over you and why would you empower someone who doesn't like you okay you know that doesn't make any sense if somebody does not like you and they say mean things about you they put you down they tear you down and you listen to all of it, it's like you're giving them power. You're handing them over your power and you're allowing them to use that power to hurt you. I'll explain it a little bit further. Okay, in order for me to illustrate this a little bit better, I need to tell you a story. I didn't learn this lesson until I was well into my 30s. Uh, let me tell you how it all came about. So I usually tell this, like to tell the story in person because... You know, you don't quite get the full effect of this story without the accompanying hand gestures, and you'll see what I mean later. But since I can't tell it in person, I'm going to try my best to convey this message uh, for you as best I can. So I grew up in a small town in northern Manitoba, and as a teenager, there was a group of girls that didn't like me. I will just refer to them as my fan club. And there was one girl in particular who was kind of like the ringleader. I won't name her by name, but I'll just refer to her as my fan club president. But these girls would all band together to talk about me or bash my name if it was ever brought up. And I honestly don't know why they didn't like me. And, you know, they've never told me. And even to, to this day, if you were to ask them, I can guarantee with 100% assurance that they could not provide a valid reason other than the fact that they just don't like me. Just teenage drama, I guess. But I ended up moving away when I was about 17. And every now and then I would go back and visit with my one girlfriend. And so she would fill me in on everybody. And then she would also proceed to fill me in on all of the crap that my fan club had been saying about me behind my back. And I remember feeling, you know, always just feeling so terrible every time I, you know, I left that conversation. And the thing is, year after year, you know, when I would go and visit with my friend, she would always tell me about, you know, what these girls were saying about me, especially, you know, my fan club president in particular, who, you know, bashed my name relentlessly. And each time I would just think that, oh, why don't they like me? Like, what did I do? And, I, you know, I would, I would feel awful. You know, bottom line, I would feel awful. 
But the thing is, you know, I don't blame my friend. I know that it was never her intention for me to feel bad. She probably thought that she was, you know, doing me a favor, you know, being a loyal friend, telling me what these people were saying about me. She probably even thought I wanted to hear it. I mean, why wouldn't she? I ate it up every single time. You know, I hung on every word that she said. Like she had no reason to believe that I didn't want to hear it. So like it was, I don't fault her at any time. But so every time I would go and visit with my friends, she would tell me all these things and then I would leave, you know, feeling horrible. And then I remember, you know, just one day I was sitting down with my friend and she was opening her mouth, getting ready to tell me what my fan club had said about me. And all of a sudden I just put my hand up and I said, stop. I said, you know what? I don't even want to hear it. I said, if you tell me what they said about me, I said, you're giving them power to hurt me. I said, and why should they have power over me? They don't even like me. And it just kind of clicked that one day. I was like, why would I just hand over my power to these girls? You know, why would I just give it to them so that, you know, they could, they could hurt me. They don't even like me. It just didn't make any sense anymore. So my friend didn't tell me what they said. And we had a lovely conversation and a lovely afternoon. And I left feeling fantastic. Didn't bother me. I didn't have to hear any of it. And every other time that we met up after that, you know, she no longer brought up these girls in our conversation and I wouldn't ask. And I knew they were still talking about me. But, you know, since I made the choice not to hear it, it could no longer hurt me and, you know, upset me. So now as fate would have it, I ended up moving back to my childhood home for a teaching job. And my fan club, they all still live there. Um, but you know what? Who cared? Life was good. And, you know, I was a mom of four now. I remember it was a nice, hot, sunny day. And I thought it would be a good idea for me to put three of my youngest kids in a wagon and take them to the store to get some ice cream. Well, that was a big mistake. So on the way back, you know, all pandemonium had broken loose in the back of the wagon. All three of them were covered head to toe in ice cream. And to top it off, it was, you know, the bright blue cotton candy ice cream. And, you know, they were hitting each other with it. But like my kids were head to toe covered in blue ice cream. And it's a hot, sunny day. I'm dragging them home in the wagon. I have curly hair. So like my hair, like, it was tied back in a ponytail, but like all the horns had, you know, poked loose on the side of the, my head. And I was sweating like a pig, totally regretting my decision to venture out with them. And then who should drive by me when I was walking? What, but my fan club president and she drove by me in her truck and she gave me the ugliest, ugliest, dirtiest look I have ever received in my whole life and man oh man what did I do in that instant or better yet what would you have done <laughs> let me tell you I know exactly what the old me would have done the old me would have threw both hands in the air you know gave her the finger probably would have mouthed the words f off or f you like I know 100% the old me, you know, maybe would have even picked up a freaking rock and threw it at her truck. But, you know, in that moment, what ended up happening was actually just, it was an actual shock to me, the, the real reaction that I had. So the, in that moment, I ended up 
sending her a silent blessing. In my mind, as she drove by, you know, giving me that look, I said to her, I wish that you had at least some of the happiness that I have in my life. Because in that moment, even though my kids were covered head to toe in ice cream, you know, I'm just, I'm sweating. Um, I still have a long way to go to get home. I had my children and I was so happy and I was so content in my life. And what I saw in that instance, you know, in this woman that drove by me was somebody who was the complete opposite of peace and happiness. What I saw was this woman who her husband had just left her. Um, she had been trying to have children for a long time and, you know, they weren't able to have any. And, you know, she was probably going home to an empty house and going to get on the phone and phone, you know, the rest of her friends and trash talk me. And I thought, even though my kids are driving me crazy right now, you know, I have my children, I have my husband at home waiting for me, probably sitting on the couch folding my laundry because that's just the kind of guy that he is. And I truly wanted some of that for her. I felt compassion. I felt compassion and I felt really sorry for her at that moment. And, you know, I ended up hearing later on down the line that she had met somebody and ended up having a baby. And I found that I could be happy for her, even though that I know still to this day that she still hates me with a passion. I, I see it in her eyes every time I, I run into her. But the thing is, I just can't hold on to any of that hatred inside of me. Because holding on to hatred is like drinking poison. It's, you ever hear that saying, you know, Wayne Dyer said it best. He said, you know, when you can't forgive somebody, it's like you're drinking poison and you're waiting for the other person to die. And the thing is, I stopped drinking that poison a long time ago and she was still drinking that poison. You know, she's the one that is putting all of the ugliness, all of the anger, all of the revenge, all of just all of the yuckiness inside of her and thinking that it's going to hurt me, but it doesn't hurt me. It's only hurting her. And that's true of anybody is when you carry that ugliness inside of you, it's not hurting anybody but you. You know, if I can help it, I refuse to carry toxicity inside of me. So, you know, when you intentionally refuse to allow negativity into your life, it's sort of like this invisible shield that surrounds you. And as you incorporate practices such as self-love, gratitude, and forgiveness, your shield is strengthened and people's negative comments and opinions about you, they just can't penetrate that invisible shield anymore. They bounce off, they don't stick, and ultimately they just slide away. And there have been many other times in my life where I have been subjected to hateful comments, um, social media attacks. I've been the topic of people's conversations. And when this happens, you know, I ask myself these two questions. Does this person have any bearing in my life? And does this person have any bearing in my future? And if the answer is no, then I just let it go. Because unless that person is somebody whose opinions I value, it doesn't matter. The only opinions that matter are my opinions of myself and the people that truly love me, because even people that love me will hurt me. The next time someone doesn't like you and they think that they have a right to an opinion about you, you know, just try to remember what they think of you is none of your business. That's them. That's their opinions. And let them carry that toxicity inside. 
because if you don't believe it, if you don't believe any of that stuff, then do not allow them to make it true. Do not let them believe that they can make it true. If somebody wants to say something ugly about you, don't let them believe that they can make it true. Do not give them the power to make it true. Do not give anybody your power. You know, that is so, so important. We have the power to protect ourselves. You know, don't hand it over to somebody who is going to hurt you with it. Um, this message is, is so important for our young people to learn because, you know, us as adults, we are still learning this lesson. We are still allowing people to hurt us with, with their words, you know, with their Facebook attacks, with the lateral violence. You know, we, we allow people to hurt us and that's their opinions, you know, let them have their opinions. And the people that who truly know you and know your heart and know who you are on the inside, those are the only opinions that matter. So if somebody wants to jump on a bandwagon with somebody else who wants to hate on you, you know, let them ride off in, and I'm not even going to say sunset together, let them ride off into the darkness together and you can enjoy your time in the light. Like I said, I didn't learn this lesson until I was in my 30s. And because I didn't learn this lesson, I allowed myself to be reduced on so many occasions by people's opinions of me. I allowed it to prevent me from stepping into my greatness. I allowed it to prevent me from going after what I really wanted. I allowed it to prevent me from doing the things that I that I wanted for myself in my life because I was always so afraid of what people were going to think about me. You know, what are the haters going to think? What are what are the trolls going to say about me? And what I really should have been worried about is what I think about myself and what are the people that love and care about me, you know, going to think about me? Like, I don't have to be worried about the people that do not like me. Their opinions have to be the very last opinions that I even think about. Yet we're in this society where a thousand people can say something nice about us. And the one person that calls us down, you know, we zone in on it and we allow ourselves to be hurt by it, you know, and you know, I've been there. I've, I've been there and, and it takes so much practice to quit focusing on that one person and focus on all of the other person, all of the other people that are, you know, lifting you up and raising you up. I want to tell you another story about um, how I chose my name for myself, uh, the name Jill Featherstone. So most of you that who know me um, previously know that Jill Featherstone is not my real name. Uh, my real name is Holly Jill. So it's like Holly hyphen Jill. Uh, so Jill is my middle name. And my original last name is Linsky. You know, when I was a little girl, I used to get really, really upset with my last name because my parents were Furlins and my brother and sister were Furlins. And the rest of my extended family in the area that I lived in were all Furlins. And I was the, I was the only Linsky. I was the oddball out. And I used to get really angry because I felt really singled out. You know, my mom used to tell this, me the story about my last name and, and I was born at the tail end of the 60s scoop. 
I was born in the late seventies. And when my mom had me, you know, my dad wasn't there at the time. He was back home in Grand Rapids. And the story that I was always told was that the nuns had come into the room and they tried to take me and they tried to get my mom to sign off on adoption papers. And my grandfather, John Linsky, and my uncle, Nelson Linsky, had come into the room just in time. They were able to uh, get the, the nuns away from me and stop them from taking me. But they would not allow my mom to give me my father's last name. So I always remember hearing that story and just feeling really angry because to me it represented that, you know, I was, I was kind of like an, on the outside. And it it kind of had a like it had a stigma to it now. So when I got into grade school, I remember I made all of the teachers call me Holly Furland. I would not allow anybody to call me Holly Linsky. I was determined to have a different last name. And, um, you know, I used to beg my mom to change my last name. But the thing is, we didn't have money for a name change. Like you had money for what you needed, not for what you wanted. And, you know, she told me, you know, one day you'll get married and you can change your last name. So I said, okay, you know, I was just going to, I'm just going to have to live with it. You know, when I became a teenager, I kind of started looking for a different name. Like I was, I was just kind of went through this like identity crisis because my last name, it, it just, it always gave rise to so many questions. People thought that they had the right to ask me personal questions because of my last name. So I'll give me an example. You know, my Linsky is a very, it's a Polish name. So I would always be get asked, why is your last name Linsky and you're not even white? Or is that your real dad? Or, you know, and as I got older, oh, is that your married name? Like it was just constant speculation. And oh my goodness, like uh, I was actually even teaching a class last night. Uh, I'm a university professor and I was teaching a class, um, an Aboriginal uh, studies class, and the students hadn't met me. So a couple of the students hadn't met me yet, and they were worried when they saw my last name on the page. They're like, why is, you know, this non-Indigenous lady going to come in and teach us this class? So it's just like constant. It was constant in my life. So when I was about 16, I found the name Featherstone and I remember I was with one of my relatives at the time, you know, we seen um, some names written on a board and she was making fun of the names and saying like, Oh, look at these silly names. And then I was like, yeah, they're pretty dumb. And, but all the time in the back of my mind, I was like, that's so cool. You can just give yourself any name you want. And I think a lot of it also had to do with the fact that I was, you know, displaced from my, from my culture. And I was envious of a lot of the other kids, you know, they would get their Indian names. And, you know, I never had that opportunity as a child to do that because, uh, you know, we didn't grow up um, immersed in our culture. When my grandmother married my grandpa, John Linsky, she got kicked off of the reserve in Skownan. And then she, she passed away when my mom was nine. So all of the teachings, the traditional teachings that she had, you know, it, it kind of ended there. And, you know, my mom remembers her making medicine bags and pinning them on my uncle's shirts. And my mom remembers her smudging in the morning and, you know, just doing all types of things. But, you know, after she passed away, all of that stopped. 
and they moved to the city in North End, Winnipeg. And that's where, that's where my mom grew up and that, you know, that became her res. You know, she's very proud, very proud of her North End roots. So I never had that opportunity to have that. So I kind of clung on to that name Featherstone and I was thinking, you know, one of these days I'm, I'm going to have that name. That's going to be my name. And when I was in university, I wrote a book of poetry and my prof, she like, asked me if I could sign it, if I can autograph it for her. And I remember looking at the page and just staring at it like a blank page for a while. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I wrote, I signed it, Jill Featherstone. And I handed it to her and I told her that when I become a writer, I'm not going to be Holly Linsky. I'm going to be Jill Featherstone. And that was when like, I was in my early 20s at the time. But, uh, you know, I didn't end up publishing my book, uh, my novel, The Tale of Tiger Lily. I didn't end up publishing it until I was, you know, almost 40. And long story short, I never actually had the courage to use the name Jill Featherstone until I was almost 40 years old. And but I have carried that name with me for more than half of my life. So to me, that name is authentic. It feels like me. And I never had the courage to use that name because I was so afraid all the time of what are people going to think about me? What are people going to say about me? And finally, when I started realizing that it doesn't matter, it, you know, it, what matters is what I think about me. And when I became confident and I was at peace with that, I had the courage to present myself to the world and to my peers and to my family and friends as Jill Featherstone. And, you know, when I published my book, never once did I think that I was going to put the name Holly Linsky on there. I always knew that I was going to put Jill Featherstone. I did it and I never looked back. I never would have been able to do that if I would have been living in fear of what other people think. If we live in fear about what other people think, then we're never going to be able to truly be ourselves. And I just need to make a side note because I want to talk about, you know, my grandfather, John Linsky, who, who gave me his last name. And I just want to make mention that though that last name holds a totally different meaning to me now as an adult. And I've been able to learn about, um, you know, my, my history and my grandfather, John Linsky married my grandmother Delia and she already had a child and he adopted that child, gave that child his last name and he loved her and raised her. And there's like a whole other bat, like backstory to this. But the fact is that, you know, that last name, it carries love because, you know, it shows me that true love doesn't know race. Like he loved my grandmother. He was a non-Indigenous man. He loved her child. And, you know, he raised my mother as his own. He gave my mother his last name and my mother gave that last name to me. It does carry more significance today than it used to when I was a child. And I'm very, very proud of that last name. But at the same time, you know, I just wanted to share where my name comes from. Also, just in case if anybody was ever wondering and, you know, they just kind of didn't want to ask me. But, you know, I gave myself that name. and. I know that I wouldn't have been able to do it if I was still living in fear of what people, you know, on the other side of a screen are going to think about me. I love stories, so bear with me because I'm just going to tell you one more story and it's really, really quick. But uh, I was in a workshop a couple of months ago 
and there was a girl in in the workshop and on the very last day of the workshop she said to me she's like um can I share a story with you and I was like yeah and then she said I was in a workshop a few months back and there was the lady that was facilitating. She said she was talking about your book and she was telling us like, it's this awesome book. You have to read it. It's called The Tale of Tiger Lily by Jill Featherstone. And then she was saying, she said, and when I heard your name, she said in my, she said, I just thought, wow, that's such a beautiful name. Jill Featherstone. Oh, I wish I could have a name like that. And then she said that she, she didn't really have a connection to her own last name for you know, for her own reasons. And then she went home that day and she told her boyfriend, uh, I heard this lady's name. It's Jill Featherstone. I wish I could change my last name to Featherstone. And then he's like, why can't you? And then she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then he's like, if you want to be Jamie Featherstone, he said, you go ahead and you be Jamie motherfucking Featherstone. And that's what he said to her. And it was so funny. And so, so she's telling us on the last day of the workshop, she said, as soon as I saw you and you told us who you were, she goes at break, I ran to the hallway and I phoned up my boyfriend and I said to him, you'll never guess who I'm in a workshop with Jill motherfucking Featherstone. And off oh, we just laughed. And I just wanted to share that story with you because when you have the courage to just be who you want to be, when you don't let society tell you who you are or you, who you have to be, then like I said in, in the beginning of this podcast, it's just so freeing. It truly is. Well, my friends, I really hope that uh, you enjoyed this podcast today and please share it with somebody if you think that they need this message. And I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. And I hope you were able to find a takeaway from this episode. Don't forget to share with a friend who may need some motivation today or share on your social media and inspire all your friends. And if you'd like some live inspiration, join us on December 2nd in Winnipeg at our live event. Just visit www.jillfeatherstone.com for details. Bye for now.